0: You will not believe what exists beyond strange occurrences. Paranormal. Join us on a journey to uncover disturbing truths. Investigating the strange. Unexplained. Prepare to explore the paranormal and unknown. Join us as we seek for truth. Welcome to Strange. Occurrences. Here now are your hosts, Myron St. John and Joshua Hayes.
1: Welcome to Strange Occurrences. Your host, Myron St. John and...
0: What up, what up? Joshua Hayes here.
1: Uh, my co-host. How you doing, Josh?
0: I'm doing great. How you doing on this... Uh... Dark, rainy November day. We're doing great. Doing great. Here we
1: are. Episode 15. Uh, we're actually uh, wrapping up. This is the end of season one.
0: Can you believe it? Already.
1: I know. 15 episodes this year and uh, more coming up right after the holidays. Uh, give people a chance to catch up on all the previous episodes. And I uh, want to remind everybody, when you do, if you go to our website, strangeoccurrences.net, you can get every episode. You can get some additional pictures and content. Uh, and something I was reminded of, we should ask people, hey, you should subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. You just pop in your email and you get notices and we update things and specials. Yeah. So there you have it. And we have Instagram, too. We do have an Instagram. No,
0: no, I'm sorry, uh, Twitter. Or X, X or whatever. X.
1: Well, we have Instagram, too. Okay. Yeah, I just okay. popped that up, and I'm I'm putting. Uh, you can see all the pictures, a lot of pictures on there as well. Okay. So, uh, anyway, so here we are, episode 15. We're going to talk about the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, also known as the Western State Hospital, in Western West Virginia. But before we get into that, we want to recap number 14, which was the haunted prison experience. A lot of people like that. It was uh, our Halloween show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Talked about the more hauntings than I had talked about previously on the, at the Ohio State Reformator and we talked about haunted houses and it was a fun episode to do. And, uh, it was a great Halloween. So there you have it. And we have some shout outs now. We want to give up like we always do. Oh yeah. And Josh is going to run one at, well, I'll do one and then Josh will do one. And I got a, we got a special one. I'd like to put a shout out to my very good friend, Bill, who's an avid listener and he's, uh, comes in and he helps me, uh, Uh, with some of the games, and he builds a lot of my props, and he listens all the time. And so, thank you, Bill.
0: Thanks, bro. And one that I've been wanting to thank over the previous episodes is a gentleman um, who's responsible for having us sound so good, and that is Mr. Casey Todd. Uh, He's uh, a guy down in Nashville. And he actually edits this show in a studio down there, Yeah, putting in our, our sound and our bumpers and all that stuff and intro. And um, you and I are obviously very busy people. I'm not a techie. It's a lot of work trying to just try to get content together to do a, do one of these podcasts. So we are gr- very grateful for Casey. We want to thank you for the, the great work this year that he's done mm. with the podcast. Does a
1: great job. Yeah, thanks, Casey. And uh, lastly, I want to uh, put a special shout out to my wife, Kathy.
0: Of course.
1: uh, For a number of reasons. One, uh, she has been on these journeys with me on many of these haunted places. Yeah. You know, she's an astrologer. Okay. And is versed in a couple other things. And she's also kind of an empath. She feels things more than others, which we're going to get into uh, a little later on. But also, she uh, uh, takes care of our website for us. Yes. And she doesn't have to do that, but she does, and I appreciate that. So thanks, Kat. Appreciate that. Thank you, Kathy. You're awesome. There you have it. Those are shout-outs. And now we're going to get in the trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in a second, uh, where uh, it's really really amazing place, but it's got a really, really horrific past. And as a bonus today, when we wrap up the episode, we're going to uh, get into uh, some ghost hunting tips for everybody. Oh, cool. And some equipment. And uh, if it all works all right, we're going to uh, bring in our special guest on that segment. Uh, briefly, uh, Shelly Souter will be back. That'd be awesome. So don't go away. Hang loose. When we come back, we're going to jump into the fire from the frying pan as we talk about the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum on Strange Occurrences. Hey, welcome back. Strange Occurrences. Myron St. John here. Joshua Hayes. And again, the Weston State Hospital, known as the trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. You got to love they got the original name for that place. Unbelievable. It was in business. It was built in 1864 and ran until 1994. It uh, is the largest hand-cut masonry building in North America. It was designed to hold two hundred and fifty patients and they crammed in over twenty four hundred, which caused it to close. Now Josh has got some interesting background besides that and history, and I'm turning it over to him right now.
0: Cool. It um this this place here when doing research and I've I watched a couple shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. This one I I would almost be afraid to want to go to. And I know you have, and you're going to share. But I've been there. doing That's the good. research, and one of the most intimidating things I think is the size and how huge it was. It sits on uh, 166 acres. Wow! Should I repeat six six six? And you'll like this one. It has 13 buildings. Yes, it does. Um, one it, really interesting, just to show the 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 massive. Uh, enormity of it. It divides 242,000 square feet over four floors and is a staggering 1,296 feet long and uh, has over 921 windows, 906 doors. And then uh, I found this interesting, a 200-foot tall clock tower, which stretches up from the center like a hand reaching to God.
1: Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome to see that.
0: Inside, which I hope maybe you can get into some of these details, I thought the amount of work it took to build this thing uh, way back. And I I had, um, they had actually started building construction in 1858, so it didn't open until 64. Right. So you're looking at how many years? Six years. Six years, yeah. But uh, I had had the walls are over two and a half feet thick, dense enough to muffle screams of even the most tormented souls alive or dead.
1: It is. And you know, uh the footprint of that place, or campus if you prefer, with all the buildings, uh as it sits right now, is actually larger than OSR. You know, state reformer. It's actually larger than that. Right. And the footprint of that main building is actually bigger than uh the remaining OSR, the main castle-like structure, uh, it's only four floors, well, four and a half, almost five with that that clock tower. But yeah, it's. I was surprised at that. But I I saw a comparison uh, where they overlay uh, the maps, like and it's actually big. I was really surprised by that. But yeah, it's a huge place.
0: I think in the back, more of like the farmland area, um, are three graveyards, and and within that hold twenty one hundred people. Wow, because a lot of people never got picked up after being dropped off. Sure, sure. which is so sad.
1: not well, you think those are like a uh, those are like pauper graveyards, or are their names are just uh...
0: they didn't state on the show I was watching. But oh, the, it, just to you know, we're going to talk probably about how many horrific deaths were there, well, thousands we're... and thousands. But I've, just to know the 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 enormity of the the graveyards itself, how many people have died in that place.
1: And uh, and many uh, were there wrongfully, which we we're going to get into. But you know the layout of this place. Like I said, you know the main structure is is massive. And when you're uh, and like like you, you mentioned, I, we we had, we were there. A Beautiful August day. We were there. And when you're looking at the main building, looking at the clock tower, if you look over to your left, there's like a three – I think I think if I remember correctly, three story building. And they actually had a a, a small tuberculosis hospital there as well for the super uh people that had i mean they kept them in the main building but they had a, an actual hospital over there it's very airy a lot of, tons of windows in that place as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: and behind the main structure uh, are uh, four buildings at least four or five buildings the, i mean they had smaller ones you know work sheds and things but these were pretty good size they had an actual three story hospital for other things besides the insane and things that people right. were, were sick of things they had a geriatric ward which was three or four stories behind it which i had experiences at uh and as you and if you got out back of the place and you're walking down uh to the right you're know, I mean, walking you get past the geriatric and then there's a, a a small pathway that leads up to this small area hill like and there was a two-story building there that they called pathology and uh they actually told me that was housed the criminally insane. That I really wanted to go to, but they wouldn't let us go there then. And then you went a little farther down, and then they had a special women's ward that was like three or four stories. And uh, it was very, very strange. What's really strange about the structures is when you're walking in certain doorways, when you walk out on the left and right of both doorways, they had these angelic, cherub-like faces and like little angels. And that was creepy in the fact of what type of place it was Mm. you know and uh yeah the walls in this place were super thick and they had a lot of subway tile in it you know and uh a lot of blues and greens but of course it was lead-based paint so it was peeling and stuff but you just walk in either direction once you get off the main hall and it's more than a football field in both directions i mean it's just and room upon room upon, and you know that's four stories too uh different things
0: I had read that it was made out of uh, sandstone, which has a high level of quartz, which we've talked about in previous episodes, which really can record emotional and traumatic events. Oh, yeah, it's like a, a paranormal
1: kind antenna out there. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, uh, when they had this, uh, the the place was designed, like I said, for two hundred and fifty, and they had over twenty four hundred. But the treatments there were. Just outlandish. I mean, it's shock therapy. They used solitary confinement. They restrained patients for hours, and I don't mean just locked in room. I mean actually strapped them down, uh, like, in areas that weren't solitary confinement. If they were in the bathtubs, they'd leave them there for long. And not because they were trying to be cruel, although it is cruel, which this is one of the reasons they got shut down. It's because uh, they were understaffed. They didn't have enough staff to handle that many people. Uh, and I'm guessing somehow someone was making some money on that because you don't have a place for 250 people in and you put 10 times as many people in there and the conditions are bad. Uh, and what are you doing it for? The money, whatever. Uh, that is... Horrendous. Man. It's speculative. But the, uh, the other thing I found really bad was the fact at that place they had performed over 4,000 lobotomies Four thousand. Four thousand. Now we were told that when we were there, but I've also uh, prepping for this episode uh, that was reiterated: four thousand lobotomies.
0: On a show I watched, I got a little insight on those lobotomies. And be warned, folks listening, this is going to be a, some of the subject matter is quite graphic. Um, but we're we're uh, sharing the truth of this. This place and why it is what it is, but um, the uh, one of the first famous lobotomists there, his name was Walter Freeman. Um, this was a, most times a non consent procedure yep. with these patients, which was ridiculous. But um, this guy would take a device like an ice pick and in a like a windshield like wiper motion, he would. Basically, how he did the lobotomy is just dislocate the frontal lobe with the brain. Yeah. And your frontal lobe has all the emotions. And they thought, oh, we can remove anger and, and, and the dark part of somebody's uh, psyche doing this ridiculous stuff. Well,
1: the, the, the thing about that, basically, it was an ice pick. They just didn't want to call it an ice pick, you know. Yeah. But there was a lot of screw-ups on that, too. And sometimes they would just completely eradicate that person. Personality-wise, and everything, and they were yeah. just a, a, a blob. After that, you know, here, here's the sad thing about you talk about that. Many, many of the patients there weren't just in there because of mental health, although they were, and that was the good intention it started out to. But a lot of patients were admitted for a lot of other health issues, uh, such as tuberculosis. We talked about asthma, asthma. asthma. And but here's the the dark side. And it it wasn't really mostly women, more than it was men. Mm -hmm. You go back to that day. Many women were put in there because they would not listen to their husbands, if you can believe that stuff, right? Men could even drop off their wives for almost any reason. You know, she won't listen to me, she's out of control, whatever it is. The other thing is, is if they were keeping a mistress or wanted to see somebody else and they wanted the wife out of the way... Hey, we're going to take you there for a little bit and drop you off. Now, we were told this all when we were there, but also in the research, I find it's, it's just terrible. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I could see that thing trying to pull that off today. But that's the type of thing that eventually got places like that shut down, and they, they get the bad name. But can you imagine, since that was done, all the angst and sorrow... And you can feel it in there, which we're going to get to when we get to the hauntings in a moment. But that kind of thing uh, contributes to all that. And uh, I just hope that those women that were not mentally ill, they were probably treated like they were mentally ill. So God knows what they went through. Unbelievable. Don't what happened on that.
0: I had had like just the amount of experimental torture that caused so much death pain and just human suffering in that place. Um, on, I think it was a uh, portals to hell. They had said, um, I think Jack had said, it feels like death row, a prison and an insane asylum all in one. Oh,
1: I'm, yeah. And yeah. the
0: place didn't start off with bad intentions. It was, you know, only to house what a couple hundred people. Um, and it grew and just got so out of control. But, um, what a creepy place. And just to have the, the name Lunatic Asylum in the name.
1: <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. Uh, after a while, they thought that was a um, a disservice, and a lot of the families complained about the name of the place, so they it became Weston State Hospital. When the new owners, the Jordans, took it over, uh, they brought back the name. Wow. And they met a lot of resistance on that at first, and, uh, basically their attitude was, well, if you don't like it, you don't like it, and it's stuck, and it's stayed that way ever since, so people don't, uh, say much about it anyway, you know, they, they nickname it Tala, T-A-L-A,
0: right?
1: and they do do, uh, ghost hunts, and flashlight tours, and festivals, uh, out back, they do a mud race, they do a haunted house, obviously, paranormal tours are big, so, uh, it's became a little cottage industry for him, uh, but you know, a lot of things happen when the place is overcrowded like that. I mean, I mean, obviously violence fights. Um, some prisoners get a little crazy and set fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, I say prisoners. I used to prison patients, set fires, and many tried to commit suicide. There were some murders there. And actually, one nurse. Uh, disappeared. They couldn't find her. And then they found her dead at the bottom of a set of stairs that was really wasn't used much. And they were never really quite sure what caused her death, if she fell or was pushed or whatever. Anyway, so that type of thing lends itself not only to the mystique and the legend, but that type of thing that really occurred just adds that fuel to the paranormal fire and leads to restless spirits that uh either want attention redemption or unable to move on for whatever reason now you know they had uh numerous uh things that go on there uh people say they feel followed feel watched uh they see orbs and shadow people uh the traditional there are areas that are colder than others uh there's some children spirits that have been recognized, so they move toys and balls. People use that to try to get their attention, and and this occurs, which we're going to get to in a minute. But those are the the type of hauntings
0: that go on there all the time. I'd also had people being scratched and pushed, yep. moving toys, ghostly figures, seeing seeing and hearing footsteps. Yes. Um, I got a really gruesome murder, if you want to hear it. Yeah, before I get into the ghost, yeah,
1: absolutely. Go ahead.
0: And this one, again, is uh, very graphic. Uh, It was in Ward F, which was, uh, there were seven seclusion rooms. And again, this is just super gruesome. It was in the 80s, and it's called the Bedpost Murder Room. And uh, there was a... uh, a patient who was very uh, childlike in his mentality, impaired patient. He, uh, that morning they said was found coloring on the floor, very childlike, but he had an outburst and got sent to one of these seclusion rooms in which there were two other patients in there. And when they got some alone time, they had actually got a uh, a sheet, put it around his neck, threw it over um the like a pole on top of the ceiling, and started pulling and hang you know like basically strangling him until he would pass out, and they did that twice to him, and then got him on the ground and realized they were going to be in a lot of trouble, and wanted to finish the job, so they they got him on the ground and they picked up a bed and they put a bed post on the side of his skull, and the other individual jumped on the bed, crushing his skull. And uh, in great graphic detail, if you watch that show, Portals of Hell, they, they are in that room, they contact that individual. Wow. With toys, and um, unbelievable evidence was shown. It, it's really heartbreaking and sad uh, when, when you watch the show. And a lot of the stuff, you know, when we're talking paranormal, is oh, this is scary air, creepy. Out this one makes you feel filled with not only sadness but anger. Like you cannot believe some of the stuff that happened in there.
1: And again, three people, three patients in a uh, seclusion room is ridiculous. And second of all,
0: unsupervised,
1: unsupervised, know? and yeah. they didn't, they did, just didn't have enough people, and yeah. probably didn't really care that much about it. Of you know uh, this place. Besides, it's running. Like I said, you know, a lot of murders, suicides. Uh, some patients tried to escape and were brought back. Uh, and a lot, just a lot of. I'm sure that some of the people that work there as well are not free of blame on some of this stuff. Not to cast aspersions on anything, but you know, after a while, you're dealing with these patients day in and day out. And I imagine that some people have a breaking point. So, who knows what happens there? The a place that started out good went kind of bad. Well, evil. And yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, you know. So uh, there's a lot of different ghosts uh, associated with the place. And uh, one of the ghosts, uh, the the most famous uh, ghost, we're going to get to in a minute. But some of the other ghosts, there is a a kitchen ghost. If you get to the kitchen. And it's kind of a vaporous apparition that kind of floats around like a shadow person. That's been seen by many people, and uh, it's guessed that it's a female, but they're not sure because of the way it is—a uh, misty thing sort of floats around uh, behind the kitchen counters. And uh, but they don't feel one way or the other about not malevolent, not anything. It, but they see it every now and then. No one's um, unfortunately been able to capture it on on camera. But that's one of the famous. The other famous ones is a guy named Jim James, and uh, you can actually go to one of the rooms and and, and talk to him. And uh, this guy loves cigarettes, so uh, if you present cigarettes out there, uh, they say chances are he will come okay, It about Attracts it. them. They, they attract some and and a lot of people, a lot of the paranormal investigators, got that. And they and in this place in particular, they do the flashlight test where they put the flashlight down. They say, "Please turn it on." What you do, and the flashlight's going on. This is this guy's. This Jim James is is well known to do that. Not so much in the other place, but this guy. But the most famous spirit out there is a uh, spirit of a girl named Lily, and uh, she's nine years old, and she died of pneumonia. Now it's uh, that's another speculative, speculative origin of her. Whether the one story is she was the uh, child of a patient, and so she grew up there. And the other one is something happened at home, and she was unruly or something. No one—it's very foggy—and she was placed there. But she basically spent years there growing up. Now this spirit is uh, not malevolent; it's actually rather friendly, and uh, she's been known to follow people down halls. You can feel like the presence of almost a child, and she'll tug on you or touch you. And then if you're in one of the rooms, and they have one of the now when I was there, they didn't have this. But I, I guess now they have a room full of children's toys. Or people actually bring toys to her, and she's been known to uh, move some of the dolls around or roll a ball across, across the floor. Wow. I, I've seen some. I've seen a couple of videos on this. And of course, when anybody a debunker will see the video and go, "Well, that's you know, that's not this or the dolls moving is this." But this is the uh, this is uh, what many people say. Now, like when I was there, they didn't have these rooms dedicated to some of these ghosts. Uh, but Lily has a, an actual room dedicated to her, and so does this. Uh, uh,
0: the ghost of Jim. Did you a, hear anything about a Jane Harvey? I had had that one written down as a famous ghost who was a an 1890 patient, committed suicide in a room. Um, well, you know, one of my books, I, I they had mentioned her okay. quite well, extensively. We,
1: well, this is the funny thing: when we went there, it was smattering of people. I don't remember a lot of cars, and when we went in and talked to them. Uh, the lady, the the guide was very, very nice. And she actually stood up on this staircase and told us some stories. And after that it was pretty much okay. She showed us a couple of rooms and then we were on our own.
0: It's free to I, go wherever. Yeah, I
1: don't think they do that anymore. We also met uh, we met Rebecca Laura or I can say saying that, Rebecca Jordan, who was the uh uh I don't know, the daughter, granddaughter, the actual owner. She actually runs the place and started all this stuff. And, um, she was very nice and talked to us and showed us a couple of rooms herself and talked about what they were going to do. But yeah, we pretty much had, uh, I wouldn't say run of the place, but we pretty much could go wherever we went. I mean, there was a couple areas that said, we can't let you go to, you can't, you could at that time, you couldn't go to, into the tuberculosis hospital and you couldn't go into the, uh, the hospital or the women's ward or the geriatric ward. Okay. And, uh, they were, they were just starting to do that, uh, on other tours, um, uh, but the one out back of the place that gave me the most ominous, forbidding, and dark feeling was the pathology where they had the criminally insane. And that was, they said, definitely off limits. For a couple of reasons, they said, well, it's structurally not safe yet. And one of the other guides had come out and they go, eh, that's not all. And <laughs> the impression it was pre- probably very active back there. And yeah. I-, I don't know how it would affect different people. Uh But, what they found out at that time we were with the reformatory, so i I think that led a lot of credence to what they were telling us. Maybe they told us more than other things but when we were we were walking around in there, you could feel the despair i mean first of all, like you said, a ton of windows it was very bright, very airy, and I mean, they still had a lot of the they had a lot of the gurneys, a lot of the beds, the bathtubs, the chairs, table, everything wow. And you couldn't help but look in there and imagine, and I thought myself, this would be a terrible way to be structured in your life, to be stuck in there. And you get up to the top floor, and yeah, there's high ceilings, massive ceilings, massive floors, heavy wooden structure. So they were very, very careful, because a lot of the patients would start fires and sneak and try to get yeah. cigarettes. From- anyway, uh, but yeah, you did get the feeling many times that something was following. You kept, couldn't help but look over your shoulder all the time. Now, uh, a couple of rooms, I did catch an odor of cigarettes.
0: Mm.
1: Although there's nobody in the building. Of course, it's a non-smoking. I mean, you, you did catch that. Yeah. Uh, Kathy would always feel that she's being followed. And at one point she thought she heard, uh, children you know and just ch- children make little noise giggles but that that wasn't the big thing the big thing in a few of the rooms or by some of the rooms on a couple of floors she became very ill nauseous yeah, it was, yeah. and so we had to get her out of there and then where she really felt bad is like I said you go out in the back of the building and there's a pathway and it has some trellises at that time and it was really nice and you walk down when she got down by the women's ward the special women's ward she really became ill and nauseous and overcome with emotion and she said i i can't be here anymore back here wow. so we we moved away from it yeah as we walked around and and she kind of wandered off here and i wanted i was taking a ton of pictures to looking at, at one point i did think i saw a figure standing way down at the end of the hall Now i couldn't tell you what it was it was like it's an apparition. Well, it was definitely a female, but I couldn't tell you if it was a nurse type thing or a patient. But they were just sort of standing there, and I, d- I thought maybe it was one of the staff, like happens in a lot of places. And uh, I was telling Kathy, and then we went down towards the end of the hall, and there's nothing down there. There's nobody down there. So I, it is what it is. But when I was out back, we walked back. We were walking in that pathway down, looking at the buildings, because I asked one of the uh, staff this. It was the geriatric uh, building, and it was all chained up. And it's huge. You look it up. I saw curtains move, and at one point, I swear to you, I saw like someone in the window looking down. Very, very brief. Very, you know. But it was distinctive. It was a face.
0: It was during daytime.
1: Yeah, it's daytime.
0: Windows are shut, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah even though it was hot. Out. And I remember asking when we got back in, I said, is there anybody, you got workmen or something? And they said, no. And they go, why? And I mentioned to them, they just said, oh, okay. That was, at that point, I said, oh, I would love to get it. I needed, I wanted to get in these buildings. I wanted to get in there and look around and Best let it go. all come. Yeah. But it was all off limits. You couldn't do it. And um, unfortunately, uh, they're doing that kind of thing now. So maybe we'll get down there again and uh, check it out. But- we had those experiences and uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised everybody that goes there doesn't have something happen to them. Now, I always say that about OSR. You know, if you don't believe in the paranormal, spend some days there and yeah, really. you, Well, I will say this, if you're down there and you believe in the paranormal or if you don't believe in the paranormal, you will probably most likely have some kind of experience. Now uh, again, a typical debunker will say, "Oh, well, it's nothing. It's this or that or whatever." But on the other end of the spectrum, you got somebody that really wants to believe; they'll believe anything. You know, a chipmunk will run across the floor and no yeah. Oh, it's a... But no, real seriously, if you just open yourself up and relax, you will feel the anguish and the despair, and uh, realize that the term "man's inhumanity
0: demand" is a real thing because this was this place was something else. Uh. The famous uh, investigator Katrina Weedman, um, portals, Hannah, yeah, yeah, and she's been on other shows too. Yeah, she um, she said, if you are a uh, for in terms of paranormal investigation, this is the number one place to go to.
1: I, I believe so. Well, besides OSR, but in OSR is getting real commercialized. But this place, as commercials are trying to make it, is so big in the way they, they lay it out. I would say, yeah, I would agree with it. And her. in
0: Virginia, didn't you say it's like in the middle of nowhere? It's probably really oh, sort, of hard to, oh. sort of hard to get to.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, there's Spartanburg, West Virginia is the biggest city close by, and that's two hours
0: away. Wow. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's I mean, it's really, yeah. it's like nowhere, Atlanta, but it's beautiful country. I, ironically, on the way down there, we went through a, what they call the Ohio-Virginia Triangle, where the legendary grass man our version of Bigfoot lives, um, lives. So uh, yeah, it's out in the middle of nowhere, but it's beautiful drive down there, and yeah. you get down the. T- it's a typical little town, and you go on, and when we went in downtown area, it was like a throwback in the time, like to the maybe the sixties, you know, the stores and everything. And the thing is that was the big employer of that whole community. Oh sure, not know what's going on now, but that like I said, but you get downtown and there it is. I mean, it's just. Sticking right out there, so like Katrina said, as yeah. I can't talk all of a sudden, uh, somebody said, "Oh come on, is it really, really haunted?" Yeah, it is. Now I haven't been to Penhurst, been to Waverly, but I would say this is probably outside of Waverly and to a degree, it's probably the most haunted asylum in the country. It really is a a most unusual and unique place. So anyway. Uh, as I think about that, I'm thinking back to it. I'm, I'm just thinking you can get depressed with that, but then not be depressed because if you appreciate the architects, but you can be depressed when you think of everything that happened there.
0: Yeah. And it shut down 94. 94. Yeah. Which, uh, that's even shocking how late that stayed open. If Oh, know. I know. I know. Yeah. And I uh,
1: back, I'm not quite sure when, uh, mid-2000s, I, I think that uh, – I don't know if it was a grandfather or this Rebecca's father. George. He bought the place for one and a half million dollars. Wow. And they turn like I said, they do all kinds of things there. Uh, ironic part of this is uh, we talk about Monica a lot and with Shelly. Yeah. Monica approached them to do ghost hunts because her and Shelly had, you know, done OSR and they did Prospect Place and they were running Bobby Mackey's. And uh, Monica, God rest her soul, uh, she's a sweet lady. Uh, she told the lady about the ghost hunts, and she actually brought Kathy and I up to her and said, well, they do this massive haunt. They can make you a lot of money, too, you know? And so she was very interested. But Monica then took it a step farther. She told the lady how to do everything. She said, well, because the lady said, well, well a ghost hunt, how do you do that? And Monica just told her everything. Hmm. And the lady basically said, well, I, what I need you for? Uh, okay. That was my that was my impression. So she did, And we did talk to her and at the time, and she reiterated that she knew we were doing the prism. She said, you know, my brother really wants to do it. And I said, hey, that's great. You know, I mean, he's really kind of far away for, her, for us anyway. But yeah, do it. And uh, then, but then she tried to do that. Let me pick your brain sort of thing. Well, what would you recommend? How would you do? And I just said, hey, look, I'll tell you what you do. Just have him go to one of the trade shows. Spend a couple of days at trade shows. Follow his gut. You'll be fine. I know they're doing it. I, I don't think it's, it's not not any level that we were doing at OSR or some of the other places, yeah. but they
0: do a haunt there. Our, our previous episode when we talked about all the places around the country, I didn't find a lot on on Trans Allegheny. I think it's um, because it's so out of the yeah, way. Yeah, it's just you know, you know they probably do something, but not a large scale event.
1: Yeah, you know I don't. I, it was really wasn't in any uh, major movies, and it's, it's it's how it's situated. You know, like it's not off the major highway. So, um, but for for a paranormal adventure absolutely go there i mean you will have a blast so trans allegheny lunatic asylum western state hospital a most fascinating place but a heinous place and again paranormally active 100 percent now as a bonus for this episode we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about ghost hunting and ghost hunting tips like if you go to trans allegheny some do's and don'ts some equipment and i think there's a lot of things out there that people uh buy that they don't need to get and because the holidays are coming up if you're uh, making a list of things you want to do or things you want to get we're going to give you some uh some pointers yeah. and uh we're going to bring in uh our special guest to help us with this we're going to bring in shelly Suter when uh, we come back on strange occurrences don't go away Hey, welcome back to Strange Occurrences. Your host, Myron St. John.
0: Hey, folks. Joshua Hayes here.
1: And joining us now, our special guest on our season one wrap-up, paranormal investigator, EVP expert, the one and only, yes, Shelly Suter. <laughs> Hi. There she is. What's up? Now, what's uh, up? I, I want to do that commercial now. One, what's Remember that one? No, up? you don't. No, no you no, don't. don't. No, I don't. I'm kidding. Okay, now, uh... Wrapping up the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, and uh, we talked about that you Monica had approached them, and that didn't work out. So uh, it is what it is. It's a very haunted place. Maybe we'll get down there and do something there sometime in the future. But right now, uh, with the holidays coming up, uh, and I know would-be ghost hunters and everybody, they always ask for equipment and what to do and sure. recommendations. So we're going to talk, before we get into that, we want to talk to these folks about some of the do's and don'ts of ghost hunting, like if you were going to Trans-Allegheny
0: mm-hmm.
1: or OSR any of these places. How to prepare. How to prepare. Things you should do and things you shouldn't do. Uh, I'm going to run a couple. Josh has got a couple, and I know Josh. Josh has got a couple. I can't talk mm-hmm. today. And uh, I know shelley has got a couple, but uh, it's what I say at the end of every show. So we're going to start off right now, so get your notes and all that good stuff. Um, when you go to these places... Uh, If get permission, don't trespass, right? Uh, um, Make sure you know what you're getting into before you go there. Uh, And that's part of being respectful to the place. And you must be respectful on these hunts as well, not only to the place, if it's a historic place, but to the living and to the dead. Um, If you're there with, and there's other ghost hunters in there, if if you're going on a, a hunt where there's a bunch of, you know, Don't intrude on their sessions. Yeah. If they're down in the hall doing something, don't light them up with your flashlights. Uh, And as far as the spirits go, uh, don't provoke them. Invite them. You know, one time they used to be living, breathing people. Well, not all of them, but the majority of them. I say that because there are entities out there that really don't care. They didn't get
2: born. Yeah, Yeah. they
1: they really don't care what you want to do. no. And uh, so just be respectful uh, of not only that and the people and the spirits and of the location. Uh, and as we talk about location, I know Josh had some, a couple of, uh, things he wants to talk about.
0: From, from my uh, previous experiences, I think just go in always with an open mind because I was very skeptical in the past. And um, mm-hmm. when you go in, be very observant alert and um, be in the present moment and then another big one I think is safety because obviously it's usually at night it's dark Um, I was recently in a a haunted historic barn and tripped on a a wood floor I I didn't see it it was just too dark Um, but really know your environment that you're in uh, maybe like pre-investigation where you know where you're going to be going, um, right? And um, even in the prison, Myron, I, I there were times you know we previously talked about you know getting injured just running into things or getting you could get pushed or whatever. Um, but safety's got to be number one when you're when you're doing this. And you know, like what I said, being alert, I think that's very good. And you know, doing that hear, feel, see vibe the entire time you're in there. Exactly. Concur. What do you got, Shelly?
2: You mentioned being respectful of other ghost hunters. Here is how I would like to uh, box that up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because folks have this tendency to follow um, the choreography of what they see on television. And will bring with them walkies. Um, and will load up their cell phones with spirit box apps. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's the new, that's the new trend. And it will drive you 100% batshit if you are in (laughs) a recording environment. Um, Because they, this, this is not, it echoes throughout the location. It is ridiculous. And they, and the spirit box voice apps use, predictive text technology to absorb ambient noise and then they it just barks out these words and it and people are so enthralled with hearing the words they neglect the fact that there's anybody else in the room. So if you're gonna to go to a place that offers hunts for large groups Keep your voice apps. Just make sure you're the only individuals in the room, and keep the the volume low. Um, speak in in hushed tones if you're walking along. You know, looking at places. Speak clearly when you are doing a recording. Um, and what Josh said about safety and tripping over stuff. But the whole reason we do this in the dark is so. That, first of all, light anomalies pick up better on film. And secondly, our ears are in play far more than our eyesight. And all your senses are heightened when the lights are out. So you, you become a more effective hunter. You become a more effective evidence capture specialist when you are in the dark. Um,
1: agreed. Agreed. You know, and in, in what you just said. About the choreography of what they watch and the imitation.
2: Yeah, yeah, they're just. Well, I don't think I'm that, sorry Well, you watch these shows.
1: The shows. The the shows. The Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, whoever it is. Those are private. There's nobody else there. There's correct. just them. That's why they can use the walkies, and that's
2: this. not available to us as consumers. You know.
1: Well, it, you know it is if you want to pay the money, but right. That's right. <laughs> that's the bottom line on all this. But yeah, like yeah. I said, but so if you walk
2: in on my EVP session with a walkie. Yeah. Or even even if, if Myron, if you and I were in a in a location and you buzz me on a walkie when I am in the middle of something significant and I'm trying to get it on tape, I'm throwing that walkie-talkie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, first of all, I wouldn't do that. And second of all, uh, <laughs> uh, if you have walkies, they got these great things called earpieces that if someone needs to call you, only you can hear it. Right. I mean, it's like a squawk box. I mean, why would you have that? Hey, you come back,
2: you know? Yeah, Uh, it's just utterly disruptive. Those devices are completely disruptive and um, maddening if you're trying to seriously gather any voice capture. Those folks that are using these spirit boxes, ghost boxes, um, I'm sure they have their use. If you're doing a private investigation, you're trying to get to the bottom of an identity for somebody's benefit. But if you're a tourist and you are going for the thrill of it to hear something, to see something, you know, get your nipples erect over your spirit box, screaming, get out, which is everywhere. Um,
1: Well, I imagine there's many ghost hunters that want to go have that done. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, no, no, we were just talking about that. Uh, I, I think people go to these, some of these hunts for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And if you go to these, uh, you must be patient.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a bum stakeout most of the time.
1: Yeah, you're not... You, well, unless it's a residual haunt where something occurs relatively on a normal basis all the time. Most of this is intelligent or haphazard. So you're not... It's like how you tell in prison, you're not going to get everything. So don't be a, a disappointed if you don't get anything.
2: Not if, in real time.
1: Well, and you know, not everybody's a ghost magnet or a trigger, right. you know. Uh, and sometimes the... Uh, entities or the spirits just don't like you no offense <laughs> but they just don't like you for whatever reason or you know i say i see these people on and they, they do you know when you're doing evps and like you're the specialist that shall you know yeah. you can't provoke these things they're not first of all they're, they're they're it's not a dog and pony show they're not trained dogs and monkeys they're not gonna you snap your finger they're not going to respond yeah. uh if anything you're gonna piss them off enough to where they're gonna just completely ignore you or on the other end, if you really like it, i will throw something at you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you you gotta be respectful and you and you gotta use common sense. Something that's missing from the well, world. That now, is
2: that uh, is no joke.
1: Well, also missing from the world is the term I use called consequences. You do something, something's gonna happen, good or bad. And it's the same thing on a ghost hunt. If you do something stupid, expect a stupid consequence. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing everything right, you don't get anything. It's nothing you're doing wrong. It's just the rule of the dice.
0: If right. you if you have a situation out of your control, though, this this questions for you, Shelley. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's say that everything is going according to plan, but you come across an oppressive energy. Mm-hmm. In terms of safety, what can you give us some some tips on what you what you? the steps you take in dealing with if something is going to be pretty hair raising?
2: Well, I've actually been in several of those situations. Um, There was an entity that, that took root in a property and it was rather malevolent, a very threatening, big bully asshole. We did, we didn't even really um, engage it. It was a, uh, a presence that followed us and, and then made itself known just to be a scary jerk. Mm-hmm. And um, protection wise, there wasn't a lot we could do that our, our first and second encounters with it. Cause it just, you know, would pop up. You're speaking to mom, pa Jones sitting in the rocking chair, hoping to get mom, pa Jones on your tape And then you're going to get spook nasty stating, I'll eat your soul, you know, stuff like that. And um, if you're in that situation, obviously the smart thing to do is to get out of it. However, I do have a stand your ground rule (laughs) when it comes to evidence capture, because the majority of the straights don't believe us and the best evidence we can capture is the loudest and most abrasive. Yeah. It's also, it's also the, the stuff that gets people interested. Um, you know, everybody's heard a crying baby or, you know, the obligatory, get out, but direct threats um, and oppression of something that does not have your best interests at heart. Best thing you can do is leave and leave quickly and make sure that you demand that nothing follows. No one follows. No one is welcome to follow.
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, plus the fact, you know, and I'm just going to say as verb, I don't think much of the ghost boxes. No. I don't think much of them at all. I think it borders on a little bit of BS there or uh, matrixing. But anyway, uh, that being said, you know, these people get that. They go, oh, I got the ghost. I got the ghost of Jane or Joe or whatever. First mm-hmm. of all, you don't really know if what you're talking to is nope. the, the real entity you wanted to talk to,
2: Yeah,
1: you know, depending what it is. So you've got to be smart, common sense.
2: Trickery that, abounds.
1: That's right. Well, and I think the other thing people got to do is, no matter what, enjoy the hunt. Have fun. Don't take it so seriously. I mean, you need to be serious to a point. But, there, I mean, there are some people, I think, that are – almost have a nervous breakdown, they're trying so hard, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, take that step back, take that deep breath, and let it happen.
2: Yeah, Ease into it, for sure.
1: Yeah, you might be lucky, you might not, but then again, like I said, not everybody's a magnet or a trigger object, so, and uh, if you're going in there uh, with a particular purpose other than just really looking for the truth you might not Mm -hmm. you might not get anything at all
2: no Um, definitely not you know
1: and for those of us that understand the term blocking that block a lot of this stuff out when we go in there when we release that and let it in and turn it back on you have to know what you're doing and how to do that right uh i see a lot of these shows on tv where people are over dramatizing everything and uh, it it's almost puts a bad pall on ghost hunting. But I just say enjoy the hunt and have some fun. And um, we were talking about the uh, uh, the spirit boxes. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I want to do some recommendations on people that are looking for equipment for this type of thing and, and the holidays and they want to get things. Um, uh, what I think are some of the best equipment, I'll throw one out there and we go with that. But uh, we had talked all this about this before. Uh, K2 meters are probably the best little mm-hmm. device you can handle they're basically emf meters but they're just a higher grade and but remember when you tell them you, you're trying to use this and you're telling the spirit to light this up they don't know what the hell you have in your hand if they're no. it's an ancient you know but yeah. it goes me you got to tell them they got the little lights introduce yourself do the whole thing you know rick mccallum talked about that as well and i would say god that,
2: have i seen a lot of that <laughs> yeah yeah I,
1: I think that's the best device to use i don't I you know I mean I got some other ones but uh, what do you think Josh Shelly, what do you, besides the K two ahead
0: Shelly. you're the expert you're our guest <laughs> <laughs> you see how we just uh, handed that off to you I want to hear what uh, what what goodies That's for um, to put on my Christmas list here Okay, there you go
2: <laughs> well um, I would concur with the K two meter the handhelds are great I also um, my dream would have would be a K two you could set in a room, and then have it create a zone alarm, much like a REM pod, but in a in a broader spectrum, so that you know when a signal's being crossed. Um, we do use REM pod occasionally. My girlfriend Kat is a, is a super; she's a tech freak when it comes to equipment. So she's got the the ghost boxes and the REM pods, and the um, she's got like two different kinds of REM pods. I guess there's a new generation. I'm not aware of. Um, but what they, de- they definitely do is send up a signal and wait for an EMF fluctuation and then sound an alarm. And that is helpful just to bi-locate where you want to go, where you want to be recording, where you want to point the camera.
1: Right. Right. Well, speaking of the, the camera, right. That's the other thing you get, you should have a video mm-hmm. and a, uh, a still camera. I know everybody yep. videos on their phone, but you can't do both at the same time, but uh, different when they have cameras, differently uh, recorders to for EVP sessions and pick something mm-hmm. up you might not hear.
2: Correct, and F- I use two kinds because they, they operate on different frequencies.
1: Right, the flashlights, a big thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. you don't want to so, fall.
1: Fall down, <laughs> right. Uh, I think the best, uh, there's a lot of things out there. You know, REM pods are okay, but I think the best unit you can have besides the stuff of a toy is a FLIR.
2: Oh, yeah, nobody can afford that.
1: You know, well, they make it, no, I've they,
2: been,
1: um, they make new hand ones, handheld ones that are, I mean, they're all handhelds, but I mean, these are smaller. These are smaller well, flurs. What's and, the price point? Uh, Only a couple hundred bucks, maybe. I don't really? Think, yeah, I don't think they're that expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. They look like a thermal imaging when they used to have those, the thermometers you'd hold down the hall and.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. They look like that now, but besides giving you a temperature reading and the variance, I mean, if something walks out you can catch it they're brand new Ah. i I just saw them i I would think those are the the best things uh to use for that um i would just tell everyone ask for your christmas gifts there are certain there are certain places you can go get those uh, and find them and they sell them in kits but i would also caution people to research the sites and stuff to make sure you're not getting cheap knockoff stuff that will only work a couple times. Uh, have, Most definitely. Yeah, make sure you get the top, top-notch top batteries and carry spares. Yeah, good point. Because I've had experience where these things just will just drain it
2: immediately. Oh, yeah. Im- immediately. Immediately.
1: Yeah. But I think over and the... And you
2: can even get great coverage or great um, captures rather, from cottage industry stuff from trail cams you know you can get oh. trail cam for 12 w- 20 bucks or whatever I was, I was
1: just gonna say that i've got one in the back trying to find out what animals lurk through my backyard and they're great <laughs> that you can do video those they can do video or still
2: yeah
1: yeah uh they have Easy. night vision and i've night
2: vision mm-hmm. can't
1: tell you how many raccoons i caught on it Hell, yeah. Cruise through there. They're great. You set them up, and you go get them later, and, and they're, they're – uh, They start recording once motion's detected, they're SD, right? Yeah, they're on mm-hmm. SD cards, yeah. and you put them in your computer, and you can see what's going great on. Great idea. Their time lapse. Yeah, that's excellent trail cam.
0: Shelly, what
2: about yep. – um, and uh, baby monitors, too. Ooh. You can set up a baby monitor in a location that you know is is busy. For instance, when we're at the Amber Rose, Cat will often set up the receiver on the second floor and then we'll keep the or you know we'll keep the the walkie portion with us. So and then some baby monitors now too include video and that's another really inexpensive hmm. Oh, a, a not,
1: nanny a nanny cam, yeah.
2: Yeah, a nanny cam. So it's not um it's not for our industry but it works great.
0: Great. Interesting. In terms of um cameras obviously everyone has their cell phone uh, do you have any recommendations on just a basic camera? I was also looking at getting a Polaroid, you know, like the old-fashioned mm-hmm. instant ones.
2: God, when, do they still have those? I, they, 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 they,
0: they are making them again. They're to make them again. I was yeah. thinking about getting one of those because you have instant. And mm-hmm. there's something about that film, too, that I feel is that old-school stuff. We've talked, Myron, about your old pictures, how that could maybe... The ex, ex, well, yeah, exposure uh, uh, brings out different things. Well, we're
1: gonna, that's something we're going to get into at a later date about vintage versus modern and a combination of the two. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it does.
2: vintage doesn't have a pixel correct mechanism, so an anomaly showing up in thirty five millimeter or Polaroid film is going to have a lot more provenance than than a digital capture mm. ah, okay. that might have a pixel missing, um, and then. You know, the the photo makes up for the missing pixel by covering it or incorporating another color, which Which, can create an anomaly and it's confusing.
1: Which is why some of the the ghost shows that are now using the digital uh, cameras, the the crews that are following around the camera, they don't always catch everything because of the it's out of their spectrum. But, you know, uh, I always thought the best ghost hunting equipment, the ghost hunter. Is the ghost hunter right? Is the person right? Uh, Using their wits, using their intuitiveness, common sense, and uh, surrounding themselves with people that are in that same vein. Uh, And like I said, they enjoy it. That's the best ghost hunting equipment you can get. And just add to it Mm -hmm. the other stuff. So, uh, for those of you that are listening, I hope you take our tips. What they are for people that have been doing this for a long, long time, and uh, the same with the equipment. And uh, wherever you go, whatever you do, you know, make your documentation, send us some stuff through the uh, emails and whatever, and uh, let us know what you find out. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to tease next season and something else that's going on. So uh, here's Josh and I and Shelly. On Strange Occurrences, don't go away. Hey, welcome back to Strange Occurrences. Myron St. John. Joshua Hayes. And our special guest, Shelley Souter. Hello again. There she is. Okay, now, uh, we wrap up Season 1. We talked about Trans-Allegheny. Today, Lunatic on great name, Trans-Eligating Lunatic on right? Uh, we talked about uh, ghost hunting tips and uh, equipment to use. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're going to tease uh, next season. We're coming back uh, on our second season, more haunted locations. And we'll talk about the haunted locations on the podcast, but just to expand a little bit, and we've been asked by a lot of people about this, we are actually going to go to a couple locations uh, with a film crew and uh, jump in that YouTube game. Heck yeah. And the first one we're going to go to, we're not going to talk about it's kind of an undisclosed location. It's extremely haunted. I will tell you it's an asylum. And we're going to take it on and see what we come up with. And uh, our hope is to get some actual visual evidence of what's happening. And if it works out good, we will continue to do that content.
0: Well, a good episode.
1: It is, and uh, we have, and we're going to have a very interesting. And it's not really going to be a strange. Well, it's a strange occurrence. Crew doing some stuff, but we're going to have a specialized name for that. And we're going to get in the game to be with all the other ones out there. They're doing it. Maybe we're not saying we do it better. We do it right, but we're going to do it a lot differently than
2: what they do. That's for sure. You know,
1: so that's how it is. Here, On
2: the there won't c- be any crash symbols
1: <laughs> and dramatic there won't music. Be any well, you put the, symbols
2: and cutaways.
1: You know, dramatic music, and you'll never hear me say, "What the <laughs> frick was that?" <laughs> <laughs> With the bleep. <laughs> yeah, I just I, it cracks me up when that. You know, the, the, these guys are veterans, and they—they're used to this stuff. And something happens, and they're like always surprised. I'm like, really? you know we just had a shadow float, float through the room here and I'm like okay yeah so what go do your thing you know whatever it is because you know we're, we're at this place that's got Indians running around in it but uh, that beside the the point here uh, holidays coming up enjoy the episode you can come back and like I said if you're listening first time or the 15th time make sure you subscribe so you can keep the notes keep watching it and uh, be right after the first year we'll be back maybe with another teaser podcast and then mm-hmm. We just have to on this location we just got to get the date right and everything and arrange because the hunt's going to be private. We don't want to be in there with a bunch of other ghost hunters, no offense, but yeah, I don't want to pollute it with uh
2: it's not a spectator sport,
1: no, and God forbid the minute we do that you know what'll happen is somebody'll crank up one of those ghost box things. <laughs>
2: And then I will
1: have to go to jail. You'll see me on okay. that. Yeah, we will have to bail her out. Because she'll go, give me that damn thing. And so throw it across the room. That was my phone. Because <laughs> that's how she sure. Okay. Well, listen, we uh, wish everybody a great holiday season. We hope you enjoyed the first season of all our paranormal experiences. And we're going to approach that again right through the the year. Uh,
0: so this is Myron St. John. Joshua Thanks for listening. Have a strange and spectacular New Year's Eve. And Shelly Suter's out there going to say?
2: I'm going to say have a scary New Year's Eve. Make it spooky. Make it weird. Keep it weird.
1: Whatever you do out there, be respectful. Be safe. And as always, remember, be nice to one another. We only got one go around in this life. Until then, we'll see you next time on Strange Occurrences.